This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times, where we analyze the beat of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. Hi, I'm Audrey Tan, and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty. Hi, I'm David, and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times. In a wet market in Wuhan, in China, the virus is believed to have jumped from an animal to a person, triggering the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Scientists say the pandemic was caused by us, and worse could come unless we rein in our destruction of nature, which is a vast storehouse of many still unknown viruses, some of which could hold the potential to cause future pandemics. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Daszak, president of EcoHealth Alliance, a US-based nonprofit, who can help explain the risks of future pandemics and what can be done. Welcome to the show. Oh, great to be here. So, Dr. Tashak, you're one of the authors of a recent report that had sobering findings. One of them was that future pandemics will emerge more often, spread more rapidly, do more damage to the world economy, and kill more people than COVID-19. Could you explain the link between the damage to nature and pandemics and why the risks are growing? Yes, well, you know, we, we reviewed what's known about the science behind pandemics. Why do they emerge? Why do we seem to see them coming as if out of nowhere? Um, spreading very rapidly and killing our neighbours. And it turns out that the science is pretty clear on this. First of all, they are increasing in frequency. The diseases that emerge in people are getting more and more common. Every year we expect five or so new emerging diseases never been seen before. We're living in a globalised world where we depend on globalised travel and trade. Once a virus is able to get into the human population and start spreading, it exploits that network. And because we're doing this more and more often, the virus does as well. Now, the science says that the causes of emerging diseases, the ones that are behind these pandemics, is really the environmental change that humans push onto the planet every year. Things like land use change, cutting down forests, building roads into remote areas, expanding agriculture, intensifying agriculture, climate change, biodiversity loss, the wildlife trade. What these big global changes do is push humans, us, into closer contact with wildlife. Now, wildlife carry viruses as part of their normal lifestyle. and They often don't do any damage to the animals, but when they get into other species, they can sometimes be lethal. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this phenomenon of new viruses that exist in wildlife getting into people and spreading very rapidly. And what about the impacts of climate change? How will that increase the risks of more disease outbreaks and possible pandemics? When we look at the science behind pandemics, we see that there are really two major issues that are involved in COVID-19 and also in many other pandemics. Land use change on a global scale, we're um, you know, expanding into remote areas. We're building roads into pristine forests. We're setting up mines and farms and villages, and we're exposing ourselves to the viruses. We're also trading wildlife from those areas. And then on top of all of that, we're undergoing this constant, continuous climate change phenomenon that's shifting the ranges of species on the planet. It's putting stress on animal populations and driving them into new areas. It's allowing mosquitoes and ticks to move further north and higher up the mountainside. And we're beginning to see that driving pandemics too, driving new emerging diseases. So Dr. Dashek, on the note of you know new emerging diseases, we all know that COVID-19 was caused by a coronavirus similar to SARS. And the latest report that you led by the UN Biodiversity Panel estimated that there are another 1.7 million currently undiscovered viruses that exist in mammals and birds. 
And of these, up to more than 800,000 could have the ability to infect people. So can you just share with us, you know, why is this pool of viruses such a concern? Well, it's quite striking, actually. You know, um, I know of no other global threat to our species that we don't seem to care about in the same way. We, we want to know everything about terrorist attacks, about climate change. We want to know what's driving it, where earthquakes are coming from. But for pandemics, we now recognize that there may be 1.7 million unknown viruses. And yet there are very few projects out there to find those viruses and identify the risk. I mean, I'll give you an example. We know that COVID and the viruses behind COVID and SARS, the original SARS virus, are closely related. Our organization, EcoHealth Alliance, works around the world to find what other viruses there are that could emerge and what factors are driving them. In China alone, over the past 15 years, we've found 500 or more strains of closely related viruses, coronaviruses in bats, any one of which could emerge into people. We don't know which ones could. But getting those catalogued, finding out where they are, working with the local communities who are the first to get infected, and increasing their health care, making their lives and our lives more sustainable, those are the ways we're going to move forward to preventing pandemics in the future. Yes, as we have seen during this pandemic, the coronavirus has literally brought nations to their knees. But maybe you can just also explain to us, if viruses are undiscovered, how did the scientists arrive at this figure of you know, 1.7 million undiscovered viruses? And of the more than 800,000 viruses that could infect humans, what has been done to catalogue all of them? And has research been accelerated? Well, it's a really good point. You know, I mean, this is not easy to do. It took many years to find out that number. And what we did was we took wildlife samples. We went out into remote areas around the world and we sampled bats and rodents and primates. And we sampled them in the same way no matter where we found them. And then we did standardized viral discovery in the lab to find all the viruses they, they, they had. We started coming across the same viruses. So there's an algorithm you can run that measures the number of new viruses versus the number of repeat viral strains that you find, divided by the number of samples that you've collected. And you can use that algorithm to predict the likely unknown viruses in those species. And we estimate that out of the 1.7 million approximately 40 to 50% could emerge into people. We don't know which ones, but we know that we need to go out and find them. Now, there isn't much work to do that yet, but I think that we'll see growing concern about this and, and, and you know, new programs to go out and find these viruses, catalogue them, work out, more importantly, what are the environmental causes that drive them to emerge and try and reduce them. And there's a lot of movement on this now, and especially around the wildlife trade and deforestation, and climate change. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us, give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation with Dr. Peter Dashak, president of US-based non-profit EcoHealth Alliance. So Dr. Dashak, earlier we were talking about research to catalogue all these kind of viruses that we don't know of yet. But what about discussions on preventing future pandemics? Do you think that we are discussing enough about that on the global platform? Well, I think, you know, one of the really important things that the ITBES report on pandemics tells us is that we need transformative change on this issue. Our old way of dealing with pandemics is just not enough. And COVID has shown us that very clearly. You know, traditionally what we do is when a pandemic emerges, we rush to the laboratories, we design new vaccines and drugs, and we get ready to treat people and prevent future infections. But the problem with COVID is it's spread so quickly and it's so lethal that while we're waiting for vaccines, people are dying on a scale that we've not seen for many years. 
Um, with the knowledge that more pandemics are coming, they're going to come quicker and they're going to cause more infections, we really need a new way of dealing with them. And that's why this report calls for transformative change, to move from control after an event to prevention before an event. And that's classic public health. The old phrase, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We will get an incredible return on investment for programs that try and prevent pandemics even before they get into the human population. Because once they're in, it's really hard to deal with them. So what are some possible solutions that the report has brought up? Well, what we talked about policy options, you know, a series of things that we could move forward with. For instance, why isn't there a, a global scale program to prevent pandemics? And we call for a, an intergovernmental high council or panel on preventing pandemics. Um, we know that animal trade and the wildlife trade is one of the risky factors that's involved in, in pandemic emergence. So why don't we do more to control health risks within those trades and make them more sustainable? So we call for a fusion of efforts around the wildlife trade, animal trade and health to bring them together. There are some really obvious things we can do in terms of our own lives. Consumption drives all of this. Consumption all around the world is driving deforestation and climate change. And the wildlife trade, people don't realize often how connected we are to that in different countries. So we call for a radical rethink of our relationship with nature. And if we're consuming things like palm oil and uh, meat, wildlife products like fur and leather, on a scale that's driving extinction and that's driving pandemics, maybe consumers can play a part in this. And, and maybe we can put some levies on some of those trades to pay for the control measures we need. But above all, the key issue is to move from controlling a pandemic after it emerges to preventing it before it emerges. And what would prevention cost? I mean, programs to make that shift from reaction to prevention. I mean, the pandemic has cost so far trillions of dollars and who knows how much more it will cost in the, you know, in the final tally. So would prevention measures cost much less? Well, you know, we've been talking about these prevention programs for a few years now, and the costs are high, without a doubt, billions of dollars. You know, there, there are some really good estimates of how much it would cost to reduce deforestation and wildlife trade to a level that would suppress pandemic emergence. And you're talking 20, 30, 40 billion dollars a year. But then look at the cost of pandemics themselves. If we don't do anything and pandemics emerge, we estimate about a trillion dollars a year of economic damages related to pandemics. Everything from avian flu outbreaks, H1N1 flu, through to SARS, Ebola, and COVID. COVID alone is expected to cost more than $16 trillion to the US economy alone by the autumn of next year. Now, on a global scale, that's absolutely huge and two orders of magnitude at least more than the cost of prevention. So it sounds like quite a worthy investment. So just, I guess as a final question, do you think the pandemic has really woken up the world to the fact that there's an urgent need to protect nature? I mean, there's been so many reports about the accelerating loss of species and biodiversity, and that you know, these reports try to remind the world that human health and well-being is deeply connected to the health of the environment. Do you think the pandemic will finally help us make that connection? I really hope so. You know, time's running out for us to do something about this. The, the, the rate at which these pandemics are increasing over time means that at some point it's not sustainable. We can't sustain a pandemic like COVID every 10 years and it crushes our global economy. We'd be in constant recession and it's just an unacceptable level of mortality and morbidity. Um, but people talk about this as a one in a hundred year pandemic and don't worry, um, it'll be a hundred years to the next one. It's just not true. 
We had HIV, you know, in the 80s. We had SARS. We had H1N1. We've had about seven pandemics over the past 100 plus years. Um, and at a trillion dollars a year, it's unsustainable. So I really do hope it wakes us up. And I hope if at the very least everyone on the planet realizes that the cause of pandemics is really simple. It's what we do to our planet. And if we can make that more sustainable, it's better for our health. It's better for conservation. It reduces climate change. It's better for our planet's health. So thank you, Dr. Dashek, for speaking with us today. Oh, my pleasure. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out the stories in The Straits Times. That's a wrap for Green Pulse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.